This episode is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate. This leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress. It's backed by science out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's and has helped over 100,000 kids. For more information, visit theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R and use the code theautismdad22 to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. This show is inspired by my own personal journey as a full-time single dad raising three autistic kids. It's all about special needs parenting, the challenges we face every single day, as well as some of the things we have to learn to navigate along the way. This season, we're going to put a major focus on empowering and educating parents. We're going to talk all about building a community of support around your family, the importance of self-care, as well as connecting with services and resources that are vital when it comes to raising a child with special needs. So be sure to check us out at listen.theautismdad.com, subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad Podcast, we're going to have a conversation about ABA therapy. And I mean a real conversation about ABA therapy. And we're going to start off by acknowledging and validating what autistic adults went through uh, when they were in ABA therapy many, many years ago. And we're also going to talk about how ABA therapy has changed over the years and what kids are experiencing currently, because it's a very different experience than what our autistic adult friends went through when they were kids. So we want to kind of uh, acknowledge what happened and then also acknowledge the changes that have been made and, and the kind of the direction that things are going in now. My guest today is Ashley Gibson Stewart. She's a board certified BCBA, and we're going to have a conversation about what you know, ABA therapy was like then versus what ABA therapy is like today. Uh, we're going to answer some of your listener questions. Once again, you guys had amazing questions. I really appreciate that. Uh, we are going to answer them very concisely and kind of very to the point. And it's done so by design because I, I just don't want there to be wiggle room for people to try and interpret uh, what either one of us are saying. And because this is a really kind of sensitive topic and I, I just want to, I want people to walk away from this educated and better understanding both sides of this issue, right? So uh, that we can work together and, and help our kids to better navigate the world. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. I hope you benefit from it. I hope you learn something. And uh Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Ashley, for taking the time to come on a show and take on this topic. Could you take a minute, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Ashley. I am a board certified behavior analyst, BCBA. I've been in the field for oh, a decade plus at this point. Currently, I am working um, with children, adolescents on the autism spectrum. Why don't we start with like, what is ABA? So can we just kind of break it down? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that, but like, sure. can we just kind of break down what ABA is? Because I think when, when people hear ABA therapy, they associate that with working with autistic kids. But the reality is ABA is used everywhere, right? Yeah. We just don't recognize it for what it is. So can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Sure. So behavior analysis is the science of behavior, how we look at it, how we study it, and then how we can change it. And then the applied, so the ABA is just how we apply that science. You know, it's all in society, you know, red lights, nothing. Um, sorry, I have a clicky pen. I had to put it down. That's um, okay. <laughs> 
you know, nothing is physically making you stop at a red light, but you do stop, right? Because we have all these other contingencies in place. You don't want to get pulled over. You don't want to get a ticket. You don't want to cause an accident or be in an accident. Behavior and the science of it is all around, but behavior analysis and ABA therapy has a big kind of focal point in autism and providing services to individuals diagnosed with autism. I've heard a lot about it being used in like the corporate world. And yeah, so it's not like this, this thing that is exclusively related to autism. They've just found they're applying it to the science to helping autistic kids. That's the idea behind it. Yes. So it, you know, there are behavior analysts that, like you said, work in corporations in, you know, HR, um, for staff morale, how can we, you know, either increase productivity or keep our employees happy? What motivates them? It's really in everyday life. People would be surprised (laughs) how much it is really just applied, but yes, ABA, people think of ABA. Usually it's in association with autistic individuals helping to increase their quality of life. Okay. So we talked about what ABA is. So we have a better understanding of what ABA is in general and that it's not just used for autistic kids. It's applied in in all different areas of life, all different types of people. It's just for this conversation, it's applied to autistic kids. There is a lot of controversy surrounding ABA. And if you're unaware of what that controversy is, it's essentially that autistic people who went through ABA as a child or experienced ABA as a child, uh, talk about how they've been traumatized, how they feel it's abusive. And, you know, there's this kind of stigma now surrounding parents who put their kids into ABA now, or even ask questions about ABA currently that, you know, you're a terrible parent or you're an abusive parent. So there's like this clash of, of experiences here. And I'm guilty of this too, because I didn't have a full under, I didn't have a better understanding of, of what was going on, but Autistic people who, autistic adults who experienced ABA in childhood and say, and and share their experience about being abused or uh, being traumatized or having their identity stripped away or being punished, whatever, those things actually happened. Yes. And because that was, that was part of the practice back then. So we want to validate that. And, and just like, can we, can we just sort of touch on kind of why that was or, or what was um, what was going on there then. And then we'll kind of talk about what we've learned from that and, and where things are today. Sure. Society, really. Society was in a different place. We also didn't have a, as much knowledge about autism as we do now. You know, ABA is focused on socially significant behaviors and improvements, improving the quality of life. So it is kind of bound where society is. There weren't a lot of options. Society wasn't accepting at the time, you know, when we're talking about in the 80s of mental health, those who were different, those who had, um, you know, learning disabilities, anything outside of the norm. So that was the goal. And that was what a lot of parents wanted. Because again, to fit into society as it was, that's what was needed. Unfortunately, um, society now is in a much different place. We Mm -hmm. also know triple, you know, at least the amount of knowledge that we knew about autism at the time. And we now know how those, 
you know, if we're talking about stimming, how it does have a physical impact on an autistic individual. So we are looking at it now from also how are we impacting that child, that individual, instead of how can we make everyone else's life more convenient or less interrupted by this person with disabilities? Okay, so just so that, that I understand this, um, we in the eighties when when ABA started being applied with autistic kids, the goal at that time was to make them indistinguishable from their peers, right? So like indistinguishable from peers. Yes. We've had conversations about mm-hmm. this where you know you mentioned like the goal was to be able to send a professional into a room and not be able to pick out the autistic kid. Yes. Right. That's not how the world works now. Uh, no. And so in order to accomplish that, you were essentially trying to strip away the autistic part of that person through whatever practices they used to do that. Yes. Kind of six is one half dozen the other. Yeah. Um, I, the goal, and certainly I think the goal of these parents and these practitioners was not to punish the autism. I was to, give these individuals a, you know, to increase their ability to function in society and, you know, to have less stigma and all of that. Um, But yes, in that same breath, on the flip side of it, you ended up harming these individuals by stripping these things, by trying to force them to to conform. conform. And yeah, and we know so much more about autism now and those effects of trying to suppress stims and what it does to the body and all the other things it causes. So even though they, they might be able to mask and look calm, you know, inside, we know that it's turmoil. Yeah. And I was just using, I guess when I was mentioning strip away the autism, that's sort of the terminology that's being used when, when I have a conversation with an autistic adult about ABA, that's, that's how they feel that that's how they experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening to this right now, it's so important that we validate what you've been through because it was real and it happened. It should never have happened. Whether it was done with the best of intentions, doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't change the outcome. If you were traumatized, you were traumatized. I'm I'm horrified as a parent, knowing what people went through back then. At the same time, I think it's important that we recognize that things have changed. And that the situation is not the same as what it was back then. Society has become much more accepting. We're all about diversity and inclusion. And we have a long way to go. But, but you know, I have never been in a place where I felt like my kids couldn't be accepted if I didn't strip away the, the parts of them that were maybe disruptive at times or, or didn't fit that, like, neurotypical, I have air quotes, like, uh, neurotypical, you know, cookie cutter, whatever that, that thought has never occurred to me because I know that my kids will ultimately, I mean, there's going to be people who, you know, are cruel and whatever. I mean, that's just society in general. There's always going to be bad people, but overall they're accepted for exactly who they are, you know, and, and there are times that there are behaviors that are either safety risks or, uh, are problematic that that do need to be addressed, but that's that's true with any kid. It's not it's not it's not just because they're autistic. Any any kid needs to have 
problem behaviors addressed so that they can, can improve their quality of life. So as we talk about that shift from what kids went through in the 80s to what ABA is today, uh, could you just kind of give us a brief, like, like how is it different? Like what is the goal today versus what it was back then? This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part? It's completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills, like how to make a sandwich, by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code the Autism Dad to save 10%. So the goal is, and, and I don't, again, I wasn't around when ABA was getting its footing. I don't know that the goal has changed as much as how we're, how we're looking at what that goal is or how we're trying to achieve it. I, I don't know. I, um, I'd like to think that, you know, it was with good intention. It wasn't some sadistic, I'm going to, you know. Make all these kids conform. Right. I I like to think that it had its good intentions as aversive and toxic as it was. But the goal is to improve quality of life so that they can be as independent as possible and as successful and in whatever that looks like. And this is where maybe the goal has changed is that back then success looked like you didn't draw attention to yourself. Today, you know, success is whatever that individual and that family want it to be. So I don't, you know, um, I think like I've mentioned before, I don't need to teach you to go to a fine dining restaurant or, you know, the proper etiquette of wine tasting. If you have no interest in that, if you're, you know, 40 and like Pokemon, there's other 40 year olds that like Pokemon, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter. My goal is to help you access those people, teaching you how to find those people, teaching you so that you can fit in where you fit in because they're out there. So just kind of being able to figure out how to navigate it and find what works for you. So it's not about changing you to fit the world. It's more about helping you navigate it, navigate it. Yeah. And, and there are, like I said, with my kids, it doesn't mean that we're not trying to address behaviors that maybe aren't socially acceptable or aren't Correct. safe, right? Or or can or can make things more difficult. And we're not talking about stemming or things like that because sure. that is we know that that's harmful to try and strip that away, right? You take you have your clicky pen, right? Like I I, <laughs> I have my own things that I do that are that are that I talk with my hands. If you tried to get me to not talk with my hands, 
I would be lost. Like I, I would not be able to, to have the, you can't see it most of the time because it's off camera. I would be so focused on, okay, keep my hands still, keep them by my side, keep them that, that I wouldn't even be able to get my thought across because I'm so focused on trying to suppress talking with my hands that like, I, I don't know. Okay. I just have to. And that's not even the same thing as stemming. No. Right. There, there's yeah. not, it's, it's just like a behavior thing that I, I do. It, it doesn't, it's not helping me to cope with anxiety or hope, you know, helping me to regulate myself. Whereas my understanding of stemming is that's what we're doing right there. It's, it's helping you to deal with anxiety. It's how you express yourself, whether you're happy or you're sad, or it's just sort of a, a thing that we just need to accept. Yes. So I guess the takeaway from this, it's that what, what these people are talking about happened. Absolutely. Yes. Whether it happened to them or it happened to someone else that they know, like it happened back then. Yes. And what I want my autistic adult friends to recognize is that what happened then does not mean that this is happening currently. And that parents who are putting their kids in ABA are doing it because they want what's best for their child. They may not know anything else to do. This may be the best fit for their kid. And, and that what their child is experiencing today is very, very different than what you experienced back then. What you experienced should never have happened. And I, you know, as a, as a parent, I'm so sorry that I, I did not acknowledge that. I did not recognize that until more recently, but that's not how we do things now. This was wrong. We've learned from that and we're doing better. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. So, well, thank, thank you for that. Cause I, that's, oh, that was, that was a very difficult thing to try and work through. Uh, cause I, I don't want anyone to be upset and I want to acknowledge and invalidate and, uh, you know, both sides of this and then come together so that we can, you know, work together to just yes. make society better for all people. Yes. Uh, okay. This is, this is the fun part. So there's a whole list of questions from parents who, uh, on social media or who emailed, who had specific ABA questions uh, for Ashley and we're going to kind of go through them one by one and uh, help you guys out here. So first question is, does every autistic child need to be an ABA? Absolutely not. The goal of ABA is just to make social significant changes to improve quality of life. Live your best life. Yeah, live your best life. There. Uh, the next question is, my son, and this is a kind of a quote from the mom. She says, my son was diagnosed with autism at age 13, and we've been on an ABA waitlist for two years. He's 15 now. Is it too late for him to benefit from ABA therapy? In the most general, I have no background information on right. this client at all. Um, no, it's, it's not too late, especially if he is needing services. If you have been on a waitlist for two years, my suggestion would be to see what other agencies are out there because that's a really excessive wait time. And by the board's ethical standards, if it is longer than six months, um, you definitely need to provide other information for other resources. And if okay. that's other EBA companies. And I, and I do know, I mean, the wait lists, I don't know specific to ABA therapy. But 
I know that there are people waiting for an autism diagnosis that are yes. on wait list for years. Now that just is, waiting to get yes. the diagnosis. Yes. Okay. That is not my field, though. <laughs> we we don't diagnose. Um, and yes, that is an a whole other problem. Okay. Uh, the next question is. Does ABA therapy use food as motivation or punishment? The context around this question during the the conversation that it was having online was like, is it used as like, if the child doesn't comply, do you take away their lunch? Absolutely not. Okay. So no, we don't, we don't punish people by taking away food. That is their food, right? They're allowed to, that's not a thing. And we don't withhold it. So I'm not using their food their personal food, your lunch, I'm not using that as your reinforcer. Okay. So, but, but if the kid has a currency of like, uh, Skittles or M&Ms or something like that, and you use that to reward positive behavior, that's, that's not a bad thing. Right. I mean, I I do that with my kids. Yeah. Do help me with the yard. We'll go get ice cream or, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's kind of their currency. So, so it can be used as a motivation, but not in a sense of like, if you do this, then I'm going to let you eat lunch. Correct. That, no. That doesn't happen. No. Okay. Uh, the next question is, how can parents make sure that an ABA therapist is a good fit? This is a good question. It is. Talk with them. Talk with the BCBA. If you go into an agency or you're looking to, you know, whether if you're going to have home services or in the community, talk with them and make sure you feel heard. Tell them your your hard limits. I've had parents who were like, we are absolutely not going to do X, Y, or Z. Okay. Like, not that I necessarily was going to or not going to, but if for whatever reason, be it cultural or just preference, we won't do that. You know, build that relationship with your therapist. So ABA is a lot different than speech and OT. It's intensive. It is, you know, we are there a lot. (laughs) Um, You guys are, are, you know, in the agency a lot. We get to know you guys well. So build that relationship and be comfortable having those conversations with your BCBA, with your therapist. And if you're not heard or if they're not willing to hear you, leave. Absolutely. Or don't start. Yeah. Um, It would be that way with like any medical provider, any therapist, right? I mean, you, you, if you're, choosing a pediatrician you want a pediatrician who's going to work with you yeah and has kind of the same philosophy and the same approach and is willing to answer your questions and and take you seriously yeah okay so i guess you kind of answered the second part to the question that is are there red and green flags so red flag would be like if you go and you want to express a concern to a bcba and they just want nothing to do with you like they're not going to listen to you they're not going to work with you or they're maybe doing things that you feel are not appropriate or for your kid or whatever and they don't adjust their approach based on your concerns, that'd be a red flag, right? Yeah. And a green flag would be they, you have good communication, they're listening to you, you're working together as a team, like, right? I mean, it's sort of... Yeah, and definitely, like, having you involved, explain, like, hey, this is Johnny's treatment plan, this is what, you know, we're looking at, this is, you know, what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. And... Yeah, just, you know, keeping the parents involved. Parent involvement is such a huge thing. But if you have a BCBA who kind of just won't talk to you about why or you don't feel that you are being heard, those would be all red flags. Okay. And green flags would be the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. This next question is kind of tough, I think, because there's not a lot of context surrounding it. But uh, 
here, here, this is a quote from the mom. She says, how does ABA differ from special education programs already in place in many schools for children with IEPs? My struggle is trying to decipher what is ultimately best for my daughter. So I think they're probably talking about, I mean, the only things that are really available in school are like intervention things, I yeah. think, and like OTPT, speech, that kind of stuff. But is ABA, can that be involved like at on the school level too? It can. But what I would say is that if you're looking at just the special education program, the school and all things offered in the school are focused on the academics and being able to anything that they're working on is to improve academics um, and your ability to learn, your ability to succeed academically. So ABA can definitely be applied in a school setting, but ABA itself is not, you know, we look at, you know, improving communication. There's skill acquisition, you know, behavior reduction, and then also like those um, social skills, um, activities of daily living and um, independent living skills. So there's my recommendation for that would be, you know, talk to the school, but then also, you know, if you're considering ABA, talk to your local ABA agencies and just see what. What's the best fit for what your child, individual child. It's hard to answer that, I guess, without knowing what the, the challenges are. Yeah. Or what they're but trying this, to address. But typically the schools and all, all school resources approach things from the standpoint of improving only things that are related to academic. Academic and education. Yeah. Uh, the last question, how does one preserve the authenticity of self while in ABA therapy? This is a great example of parents doing their due diligence, right? That's a good point. You have heard horrific stories and you might have experienced being, you know, called an abuser or, you know, having your parenting question for, oh my God, why would you even consider? But this is the first step, right? Asking these questions and getting that answer. And I feel like this question is really great in its placement because it kind of goes back to the other questions I've answered. Authenticity of self, right? I'm not going to make you anything you're not, right? So I'm going to use your currency. I had a client who wanted gold dollars. He loved the bank and he loved gold dollars. And we would go if, you know, when he met his, when he met his criteria, we would take a special trip to the bank. He would have a dollar and he would exchange it and get a gold dollar. And it was a whole experience. That's would not be what I would choose for meeting a goal, but that's what he chose. And, you know, there's other clients who, you know, are princesses. We're princesses all day. There's other clients who it's all about Pokemon so, and we can have this. So really just tailoring these individual goals and approaches to our clients and then again, working with their families. So again, really just client motivation and going on what the clients like and what they don't like and, you know, working with them. I'm not, again, my goal is not to, an ABA, it's not to make you look like the person next to you. It's to just help you navigate and get the best out of the environment that you can. You know, that, that really was a good question. Uh, thank you for, for answering that. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this. And, you know, one of the things that I've heard from autistic adults 
over the years in regards to ABA was just how they felt that it was trying to strip away their authentic self, like who they were. And, and that's awful that anyone would have to feel that way. And it's awful that that kind of thing was happening back then. I, I think it's important to note, like, like you've said, that this isn't about changing who you are or trying to make you fit a mold. It's to help you be the best version or help your child be the best version of themselves that they can be to help them navigate the world, to help them find their place in the world, to help them maybe overcome some challenges that they have that might interfere with their ability to navigate the world. But it's not to change who they are. You know, we don't want to take away stemming. We don't want to take away quirks and, and things that make them uniquely themselves. So I think you did a great job answering that. I think you did a great job answering all these questions. It's a really tough subject. And I, I think that it's important that we have these conversations and, and that we acknowledge what, uh, you know, our adult autistic friends have been through, you know, in the past. And to my adult autistic friends, you know, I, I hope that you can be open to the fact that it's not the way that it used to be and that, that parents are doing what they feel is best for their kids. And, and you can be a guiding light and you can show, uh, you, you can share your experience and help parents to navigate all of this stuff and, and help them know what to look for as far as things that are concerning or problematic. But, you know, we're all, we're all trying to do what's right. And we're all trying to exist in this world. And as parents, we have this responsibility to help our kids uh, grow up and, and venture out onto their own and to reach their potential and to be happy and healthy. And some kids need help to do that. And in the current version of ABA, the way it's implemented today is very different than what it was like when you went through this. And, and I just hope that everybody who's listening to this, parents and autistic adults alike, can can kind of learn something from this and, and we can come together so that we can, uh, you know, make the world a better place for our kids, right? So Ashley, I, I thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. I'm happy to come on. Thank you for having me. Cool. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate your approach to, to this in general, uh, because I think it's very fair and it's very, uh, compassionate. And I, I think that's what we need in society right now when, when we're specifically talking about ABA therapy. So I really appreciate it. Uh, have, I don't know what day it is. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday when we're recording this. So have a great rest of your week and, uh, and we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Real quick, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and it has a positive impact on your life, because that's what I'm aiming for here. As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdent.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click and it'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.